Reverend Bud Fuchs, a former missionary, pastor of missions and outreach, and currently serving our denomination as a cross-cultural trainer, educator, stimulator, and working in practical ways among, actually, students from all parts of the world overseas. We're so glad he is able to be with us on this weekend where we have had a number of other activities that has been engaged in. And Bud, I just, I'm glad to see you again. And God bless you as you share with us what God has laid upon your heart. All right. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Pastor Zig. What a blessing it is to be here today and, uh, and to see so many. Uh, it's, a, it's great to, to be here at Hawkwood. Thank you for your prayers and support to us. You have been a blessing to us through the years now, um, two years that uh, we've been on support with you and, and um, that you've been supporting us, and so uh, we're very, very grateful. We know we couldn't do our ministries without people like you. Um, my wife Lois uh, sends her greetings to you also. She's back in Utah. She works full-time in a, uh, in a women's clinic, and uh, living in Utah is a unique place. Uh, you go to other places of the world, the cultures are uh, obviously different. You don't expect that in uh, another state of the United States, but uh, Utah is a very unique culture because of the predominant religion of the Latter-day Saints, or Mormons, as many refer to them as. So she works in a clinic, 80 people. She works with, and she's the only Christian in her clinic. I worked in a factory while we were raising support. 400 people in that factory, only two of us were believers. So maybe some of you have come from backgrounds like that and situations like that, so you know what it's like to live in a, in a cross-cultural environment. But we do live in Utah. That's where the Lord has us. And I'm reaching out to international students at Utah Valley University. I usually take a poll and ask, how many of you have heard of Utah Valley University? Those of you who have heard me before, <laughs> uh, Utah Valley University is the largest university in Utah. 38,000 students study there, and uh, just over 1,000 internationals from 50 different countries of the world. So I reach out to the international students there, and then I travel a lot of weekends uh, and do the work that I'm doing uh, in sharing about how to reach out to internationals in our, in our communities and how churches can be involved. I love the, the, uh, the diversity I see here this morning. I'm very encouraged by seeing that here at Hawkwood. So Lord bless you as you continue in your, in your work here in, uh, in Calgary, a very diverse city. Well, I'd like to, uh, to read, go to our passage this morning in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Uh, if you have a Bible with you or you have a phone that you use like, like I do. Um, this is the, the most amazing thing that I think is, uh, we've been given in the last you know, 20 years here. Uh, I reach out to students, and uh, we always were dependent upon those students returning home to share the gospel with their family and friends. And most of the students that I know talk to their family and friends every day across the world. And so we have a unique thing, a unique tool that God's given us in this way also to spread the good news of Jesus, even with our, uh, with our phones. So 
Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. If you would like to stand in honor of God's word, please stand with me as I justice was denied him. Who can describe his, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to, the Philip, said to Philip, how about, how, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see here, it's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and he passed through, and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May the Lord bless his word as we have read. You may be seated. How many times have you been in a situation where you met up with uh, someone that you have known by coincidence? Perhaps you uh, were in an airport far away from home, or you may have been at some event some venue somewhere uh, away, from your, uh, away from your family and friends and away from home, out of town, and you met up with someone that you knew. In 1993, I was uh, taking a team to the inner city of Philadelphia, a gateway team, and uh, we had been busy all week doing children's ministries, and uh, I believe it was like a Thursday or a Friday night, we decided we're going to take the night off, and we went to a baseball game. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies were at home, and so we went to watch a Philadelphia Phillies game. We, of course, bought the cheapest seats because we had a bunch of kids with us, and, uh, and so we, uh, we sat up in what we call the nosebleeds in the upper deck, and uh, we were one of just a few groups up there. There weren't too many people there um, at that night for the baseball game. And, and while we were enjoying the game, a couple came in and uh, sat up above us. And I, I, you know, glanced over, saw there was a couple, but I did not pay attention to who they were. But as uh, a few innings down in, into the game, I was going to go get concessions for our group and, you know, some treats and food to eat. And, and as I got up <clears throat> from, uh, from my seat, I don't know why, I turned around and I, I looked at uh, who was behind us, and there this couple was behind us, and sure enough, it was a friend, an old friend, a youth pastor friend that I, uh, that I had known for years, and uh, I was surprised, and I, I turned, you know, I, I saw him, and, but I, here's the backdrop story. He had, uh, he had left his wife for another woman. And so he left his ministry behind. He even left his children and, and wife and, and forsake, forsake everything for this, for this other woman. And uh, when I turned around and I, I saw him there, he saw me and it was like he saw a ghost. And because I knew that wasn't, I knew his wife and I knew that wasn't his wife. And 
it was, uh, it was a very strange, awkward situation, obviously. I began to ask him some questions that made the situation a little even more awkward <laughs> and uh, about his wife and his children, and uh, it was very uncomfortable for him. And I, I really didn't care. Um, so after I left that conversation, I, I, I went to get concessions for our group, and when I came back, they were gone. What a coincidence <laughs> that we would meet in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I lived in Chicago, and he lived in the Chicago area himself. And for us to meet up at a Philadelphia Phillies game in Philadelphia was bizarre. But the Lord had that in mind. As we look at that passage in Acts, and as we're going to look at it more closely, we see that there are three factors that created this coincidence. First of all, there was a, um, a devoted servant called Philip. Philip was a man who was devoted to the Lord. There's no question about that. Um, this is not Philip the Apostle, but he's referred to as Philip the Evangelist. And the first place in Scripture that we see Philip, uh, where it, he is mentioned, is Acts, Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, it talks about him being a, a waiter of tables, uh, a man who was a, like an usher, a, a, a real servant of the Lord. Um, he was doing this in the Jerusalem church. It's interesting that uh, if I, I, as I was thinking about this, and I, was, uh, I have thought about this for many, many times, many years, but some of the most devoted Christian people I've known have been janitors and farmers. People who are... are spend uh, carpenters, people who spend long periods of time alone, who love the Lord and spend that time with the Lord in their work that they're doing. And how they, how they then serve faithfully in their, in their churches. Uh, one man in the first church I served in was our, our church janitor. He, he discipled me. He discipled me in prayer uh, the, the, the senior pastor I, I worked with was, uh, was not so that way. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And my, the janitor of our church loved me and cared for me and would come and pray with me, and he discipled me on how to pray. But the key quality of Philip here, what we read in Acts chapter 6, is that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not having more of the Spirit, but Him having all of me. When we, when we desire to be filled with God's Spirit, it's not saying, Lord, Lord, give me more of you. Give me more of you. But it's saying, Lord, take all of me, every part of me. Every corner of my mind, every beat of my heart, every action, every thought, I want you to be in control. I have a glove. A glove is good 
for nothing. What does it do? What can, what can I do with this? I guess I can clean my glasses. But it's not good for much of anything, is it? It's kind of like a rag. But when a glove is filled, it's useful. In fact, my hand becomes stronger often with a glove on. It's protected and it's even more useful than it was without being filled. That's like me. If I am not filled with God's Spirit, if I'm not surrendered daily to His will and His power, I'm quite useless for His kingdom. Philip was a man like that glove, filled with, his, with God's Spirit. If we look in uh, Acts chapter 8, at the beginning of, of chapter 8, we see that there was a, the church was, uh, the beginning of persecution of the church took place and the martyrdom of Philip's close friend and servant, Stephen. The church then is scattered and running scared, yet witnessing as they go. Philip then, uh, in verse 5, it says he goes to Samaria. And Samaria was a place where good Jews don't go. They avoided it. They skirted it. They said, I don't want to go there. They're, those people are unclean. They're, they're ungodly. We don't want anything part of them. And what did Philip do? He went straight into Samaria, filled with the Spirit. What did he do? <laughs> He preached the good news. He, he performed, God used him to perform signs and wonders by his spirit. And he saw people with the eyes of Jesus. And many were, many, it says, believed and were baptized in verses 20, uh, 6 through 24. It says, in, while Philip was speaking the word of the Lord in verse 25, the next verse it says, the angel spoke to him. The angel spoke to Philip, and Philip, filled with the Spirit of God, was listening. The angel said, Arise and go. Arise and go, Philip. And Philip was ready. He did not hesitate, and it says he started out immediately. He didn't say, Well, wait a minute. I've got I've to clean up. I've got to pack. I've got to make sure everything's in order. You know, my house is in order, and uh, there's food for the family and everything, or whatever. He said, it said he, he just got up and left. And he started out, and he says, not only did he leave, but he ran. He ran to the place where God directed him, to that chariot where this Ethiopian was at. And he met up with him. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Well, when we look at this factor of um, this situation in Acts, we really see that uh, beyond a coincidence, it was a divine appointment. It was a divine appointment by God. In verse 27, it is revealed that Philip met up with this Ethiopian who was in a high government position. Why would he be on the road? Well, he had gone to Jerusalem, it says, to worship, to learn about the, the one true God, the God of, of uh, 
the Hebrew, the Israel people. In fact, we could say that this Ethiopian was an international student. (laughs) I would like to say he's an international student (laughs) because he really was. I mean, he came from Ethiopia. He went to study in Jerusalem. And so international student, it all fits together for me. He was a seeker of spiritual things, we see. He was, he was now heading home, but unfulfilled in, uh, in seeking the answers that he, he really had about who he was and why he was and what his future would bring. Perhaps at the temple he met up with some Pharisees who were not pro-Jesus, but anti-Jesus. And he would not have gotten the truth from them. But he was desiring to know the truth. And he went to the best place to find the truth. What was he doing? He was reading God's word. He was reading God's word in the book of Isaiah. How many people do we come in contact with each week that are seeking the truth. They're trying to find it in all sorts of things in life. And they get devoted to all sorts of things, but yet they're deep inside their hearts, they're seeking the truth. Here we have Philip in verse 29, where he's this spirit-filled man led by the Spirit with power and boldness, and he ran to a man seeking the truth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see that verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Oftentimes we read that, and we, we, we read it in this way, he, uh, that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses, uh, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in and to the ends of the earth. We often forget about Samaria, don't we? And by being filled with the Spirit, Philip went to Samaria. And then, led by the Spirit, he goes to reach out to this man from Ethiopia. Maybe everyone ignored him in Jerusalem. Why? Well, his language was different. He had a strong accent. His color of skin was different. His culture was different. And maybe everyone ignored him. He was like a Samaritan. We have Samaritans in our culture, too. You go to Utah, Utah is like a Samaria. Let me tell you, many Christians avoid Utah. They do. But many Christians and people avoid internationals who have come to our land too. They're like Samaritans. And so we need to have that heart that God gave, the same power-filled love that God gave to Philip needs to be in our hearts for those who are different than us. This past year, a man by the name of Jack came from China. He was a professor at a university in China doing uh, 
teaching uh, information technology. And Jack came to Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah to do postdoctoral work. He was ignored by most people at his school. His accent was strong. He didn't have very good English. Another student invited him to our ESL conversation cafe that we have, and he came. He said, I need help with my English. But he had no idea what he was coming to (laughs) and who he would be meeting. He met people who loved him, who cared about him. We always have a literature table at our conversation cafe with Bibles and other literature there. And he, he was curious, so he grabbed a Bible. Never seen a Bible before. Only heard the name of Jesus once. Knew nothing about God. He took that Bible home and he began to read it. I later on asked Jack if uh, he had any knowledge of the Bible, and he said, I've never seen one. I've never heard anything from it. I also asked him if he'd been, if there were those who were trying to convert him to the prominent religion of, of Utah, Mormonism. And he said, well, he said, he rolled his eyes and he said, I don't believe that stuff. But he had no faith in, in God. So when we offered a Bible study in the spring of this year, he, signed, he was the first person to sign up because he had been reading the Bible and he wanted to know more about this person, Jesus. And as we studied the, the, the series Knowing the Real Jesus, we concluded our seven-week study and I gave Jack a ride home and I said, Jack, tonight we gave that invitation for you to accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior where are you with Jesus? Who, who is he to you? And he smiled and he said, He is my Lord and Savior. And I said, Did you make that decision today? And he goes, No. <laughs> he said, I did it a few weeks ago in one of the lessons that you gave. I knew this was right. I knew what they taught was wrong, but I knew what you were teaching was right. God spoke to my heart, he said. So pray for Jack and Judy. They're back now in in China where he's teaching again. And uh, the last thing that Judy said to me with tears in her eyes, pray that we find a church because it's such a difficult place now and more and more persecution is taking place there. You know, if you go and look at verses 30 to 31, it was almost like reading those verses where it says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And Jack replied, how can I, unless someone tells me? And I was able to tell Jack, God used us, and went up and sat next to Jack, and shared the good news. There were some weeks where Jack was the only, Jack never missed a study. And, he, and, and one of the weeks, he was the only one there. He was curious. He was like this Ethiopian. Was this just a coincidence? 
This is truly a divine appointment that God gave to Philip and the Ethiopian. I don't feel any different than with me and Jack. What was Philip's role? What is our role? It's listening to God's Spirit and obeying. The third factor here is is declaring the good news of Jesus. Philip declared the good news to the Ethiopian. So as we read in, uh, in verse 35, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And then he read to him from Isaiah. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb was silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Who is this? The Ethiopian is saying. This is curious to me. Why would someone be like this? Who would, who would take this? this upon themselves to be silent and not fight the situation. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. It was very confusing to the Ethiopian. And Philip said, my friend, let me tell you, this is the eternal Son of God who came to earth, the Messiah in whom we've all been waiting for. He was the miracle worker, the teacher who taught wonderful and uh, awesome things. He healed the sick and and the lame and the blind and the dumb. But he was also the Savior who died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sin. And he was buried But he rose again and now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is the one who lives inside me by his spirit. As the Ethiopian shared this, uh, as Philip shared this with the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian responded. Have you ever responded to God's wonderful gift that he gave you? each one of us, the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. There's a simple ABC <laughs> of, coming to, of coming to know Jesus, of coming to be born again, to have the gift of eternal life. First of all, you admit that you have sinned against a holy God and ask his forgiveness that, yes, Lord, I have sinned against you. Forgive me. Then you go, believe, that we believe that Jesus is God, eternal God, always was, is, and always will be. He committed no sin, but he died in your place on that cross, the cross that was meant for a criminal, but he willingly went to the cross for you said, I'll take your place. I deserve to be on that cross. But Jesus said, no, I'll take your place. I'll die for you. And he did that for each one of us on the face of the earth. So therefore, we have to then confess Jesus. Confess Jesus as your Lord and make him the leader of your life. When Philip shared this with the Ethiopian, how did he respond? He believed. 
and in front of his entire entourage, I'm sure there were, there were dozens of people that were traveling with him down that road because he was an official. Officials don't travel alone, do they? <laughs> I've been in various parts of the world and I've never seen a government official travel alone. Not on a chariot by himself. Not in a car by themselves. There's always an entourage with them. And in front of his entourage, he confessed Jesus and he said to Philip, Look, there's water. Stop the chariot. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, Absolutely nothing. And they went down in the water. Baptism is the, sim- is the symbol that you have died to yourself, that you've confessed your sin and said, I'm no longer a sinner. I am now saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that you've died, you go under the water and you come up raised into new life just like you've been resurrected from the dead because you're a new person now in Jesus Christ. Have you made that decision to follow Jesus? To make him the leader of your life? To make him the Lord of your life? If you've never done that, do that today. Do it right now. Go through that ABC outline and give your life to him. But if you've never been baptized, you're missing out on a crucial step of declaring your faith publicly, just like the Ethiopian did in front of his entire entourage. He didn't care. He didn't care what they thought. He said, I believe. I remember when I was eight years old, an invitation was given at a service, like a church meeting like this, and I got up, (laughs) and I went to to the front when they were saying, would anyone be willing to give their life to Jesus? And I did there that day. And I, I went to a side room and prayed. It was my father that came with me and prayed with me. And I remember leaving that room and running down the aisle and grabbing the first person, this poor woman, feel sorry for her, Her name was Ivy. (laughs) I can remember it to this day. And I grabbed her and I said, I'm saved. Jesus is in me. And uh, that was was the most wonderful day of my life. Have you ever experienced that? I pray that you will. And within a few months, I was baptized, saying, declaring to everyone around, Jesus is Lord. And I die to myself and I'm raised up to new life in him. Don't delay this step of faith, my friends. Well, was this a coincidence, what took place with Philip and the Ethiopian? Well, we lived in in Edmonton across the hall from a a family from China. And there's a man, he was a well-educated engineer, but his English was very poor, so we had invited him to our conversation class. He came. He also signed up for a Bible study. He attended the Bible study, and um, 
when he was about halfway through, I asked him, how is it going? He says, you're crazy. You people are crazy that you believe this stuff. And I said, Leon, yeah, just hang in there. You'll understand. Let's go to the end of the Bible study. He did. He listened to someone at his table, a gentleman who was also an engineer, retired, an immigrant from Germany. That man told him how he gave his life to Christ and how Jesus changed his life. That night, Leon went home, got on his knees, gave his life to Jesus. Not only did that happen, but he grew so quickly in the Lord that he got laid off his job. He said, hallelujah. (laughs) He went to Ambrose Seminary. He's now a pastor reaching out to Chinese immigrants in Edmonton. Was that a coincidence that we lived across the hall from each other? It was a divine appointment by God, wasn't it? Was it, a, was it a coincidence that he had this gentleman who was a retired engineer at his table? It was a divine appointment. In the dictionary, we see a definition of coincidence. It says, a coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances that have no apparent connection with one another. (laughs) How they missed the boat on that one. This should be the biblical definition then of coincidence. This is my definition. (laughs) A coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances that is a divine appointment for the purpose of God's glory. And every day in our lives, we we have divine appointments. We have coincidences. Two incidences taking place at the same time. Two people that God places together in the same place at the same time. And he does that for every one of us. Sanxi was a young lady from China. All my illustrations are from China. I apologize that for that today. But she, she came to, uh, she was recruited. She finished her law degree in China, gave her life to the Lord just that last year of school from visiting missionaries. She, um, she finished her law degree, was looking for a school where she could study English. Two young men in white shirts came up to her. We're at we're recruiting and saying, we, we've got a Christian university where you can study English. Because she studied international law, she wanted to know more, her English better. They said, you can come to our school, full scholarship. So she came to Provo, Utah, to Brigham Young University full scholarship to learn English. She began to study. They said, you need to be baptized. You need to join our church first. And so she said, well, it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So she said, well, this is Christian. I'm a Christian. So she went to her, and she was baptized and joined their church. And then she began to go to their services. And she said, wait a minute. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. This isn't the Jesus that I, that I gave my life to. This isn't the God of the universe, the eternal God that they're talking about. Who, 
What have I done? And she was just downcast. She was, she was beating herself up. She was just broken. She went to an event, <laughs> and she met one of our students by the name of Naya from Mongolia. There, I brought somebody else in the world. Didn't I? <laughs> and Naya met Sunshi. It was a divine appointment. He saw that she was very down. He says, hey, can I, you know, what's up? You know, can we talk? She told him her story. He says, I have the exact same story. He says, you can get out. And she says, oh, I feel so guilty. He says, don't feel guilty. But if you do, God will forgive you. (laughs) He'll forgive you. He'll wipe that slate clean. And so she transferred to Utah Valley University where we were. And one day, uh, Naya and I were walking down the hall of the uni- university there. And, and, uh, and there she was. And he introduced her to me. And I said, Sunshine, how are you? Because I, I didn't say her name right. Because her name was Sunshi. And I called her Sunshine. <laughs> And she renamed herself Sunshine because she says, I have the light of Jesus shining through me now, again. Was that a coincidence? (laughs) Yes, it was. It was God's divine appointment that she would meet with Naya. And now she's walking with the Lord. In Acts chapter 17, our last slide before we conclude here. This verse says, From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. It says that He places people wherever he chooses to place them. You may be here and you have left your home country. Well, when we think about it, we're almost all of us are transplants into Canada. My dad grew up down the road in a little town called Torrington, Alberta. But moved back to this moved to the States and uh and that's where I was born in Montana. But it was the um, fact that uh, his parents came from Europe. My mother's parents came from Europe. We all come from somewhere else, don't we? We're all transplants in some way or another. But God chose that we should do that. He marked the place for us to go. We may say this ethnic This ethnicity is mine, or that's my home country, but God has you here now for his purpose, for his glory, for you to connect with someone today or tomorrow or this week or the next week or whenever it is. He has appointed these times together. Whom has God placed you with for a divine appointment in the neighborhood that you live in, at the workplace where you work, at the school that you attend, 
He has placed you there for his purpose and his glory, that your light may shine, that his light would shine through you. that he would give you divine appointments. A coincidence. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, you have placed people in our lives that uh, we have no idea, even right now, whom you will place in our lives. And Father, we thank you for giving us this privilege to be a part of your divine eternal plan to see others come into your kingdom for your glory and honor guide us lead us fill us by your spirit oh god that we would surrender our lives to you that we would be used of you for your glory and honor we all pray this in jesus name amen